morning again. If you will, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. We are kind of going section by section through the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, so that's where we're at, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And we're kind of taking our time because there's lots of good stuff there. I'd like for you to imagine that uh, you meet someone. And this person comes and he starts teaching. And he just messes up your whole world. Everything you thought you knew, you figured out, you, you just discovered that you don't know. And if you can imagine that, that's what you would see as the audience of the, 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 at the Sermon on the Mount. As Jesus is teaching, he is teaching just all sorts of things that are shaking up, overthrowing the religious crowd of that day. He's just messing up their traditions. We have some of those here today that, that it, it, we have a lot of traditions that sometimes get mixed up in with the, 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 the pure things of, of the scriptures. And Jesus came back around to, to, to set those things right. He's addressing, a, he, he's addressing the religious crowd, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he is just shaking them up. In this message today, this passage we're going to look at today is one of the greatest places that really shakes things up. So if you will, let's read together as we, uh, uh, starting at verse 17 in Matthew chapter 5. Bible says this, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am come to uh, not to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth Pass, one jot or one tittle, and no wise shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is telling people, he's shaking them up. The Pharisees and the scribes are the religious leaders. They're the, they're the ones who everybody looks to. They're the preachers and the seminary professors and he they're the 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 ones that are, are are leading all the people and he's saying unless you're better than them you'll never get to heaven before we address that though look there's a few things that we need to understand when jesus came here he didn't come to destroy everything that has already been left already been given he came to fulfill it jesus has come to fulfill the law Look, 17, 18. Think not I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am come to not to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. You know, there are 613 different uh, uh, edicts in the Mosaic law. 
And Jesus kept and fulfilled every single one of them. He kept them in letter. He kept them in spirit. He kept, along with that, he kept his injunctions and even the intentions. He didn't submit to the traditions of the scribes and the Pharisees, but he always did that which God commanded in the law. And the Bible tells us that the Father was well pleased. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't even remember 613 points of the law. But Jesus fulfilled all of them. And it says, not what? One jot or tittle. Y'all know what those are? In the Hebrew alphabet, there's a couple little letters. Yod is one. That's like a jot and a tittle. It's a little mark, almost like an accent mark. And I learned all that when I paid to take the Hebrew class. Every little bit of the law was fulfilled by Jesus Christ. All of the moral law. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking about when I say the moral law? The moral law is the Ten Commandments. I had somebody, we were talking one time, and yeah, I haven't broken any of those Ten Commandments. Of course you have. Every one of us has. This starts like this. I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Then he goes to explain to Israel, thou shalt have no other gods before me. <laughs> I'm going to meddle a little bit today. We have some, we have, there's a lot of people that won't be in church today because it's Super Bowl Sunday. Now listen, I've been a football fan. I remember I watched the second Super Bowl. I think I was 11 years old when the second Super Bowl happened. I think I've watched just about every single one of them since. I actually got to go to a Super Bowl when I was a kid. Yeah, it was Miami. It was in Miami at the Orange Bowl, the old Orange Bowl, and the Dallas Cowboys were playing the Baltimore Colts. Johnny Unitas was quarterback for the Colts. I had his autograph and Bubba Smith, and, and I got to go for nothing. My dad was a state trooper. He marched me in, set me in with the band, and said, told, two, told these two beautiful majorettes, will you take care of him? I was in hog heaven now. Those were the days. <laughs> Only problem was I had to leave a little bit early, and I didn't get to see Jim O'Brien kick the winning field goal. That's okay. I got Johnny Unitas' autograph. That was cool. Listen, we have this moral law that nothing's to be above God, yet today there's going to be a lot of things above God, a lot of people worshiping an idol named the Patriots or an Eagle. If it was a dolphin, it would be a whole lot better. But the moral law goes on. No graven image, no likeness are to we to worship. We shall not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. We are to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. By the way, you know what that really... The practical aspect of the Sabbath... God knows we need to rest. And we need to take one day a week and rest. Just one day a week and rest. He, he commands that. And he did that to Israel because everybody around them worked all the time. And he made them take a day off and he prospered them. And everybody around them going, how can they get so much? 
accomplished in six days and we can't get half that done in seven. Take a day off. Preaching to myself now. I'll be at the altar earlier. A little bit later. Confess that. He says we are to honor our father and mothers that the days may be long upon the land which is the Lord thy God giveth us. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. By the way, we're going to dig it. Jesus is going to dig into those things next week. We're not to covet. We're not to bear false witness. Problem is, is we've done every one of those things. But Jesus fulfilled every aspect of that law. He never said anything wrong. He never did anything wrong. He always did what pleased the Lord. If you've ever been through Way of the Master, it's an uh, evangelism course, and it, it, tells, it tells us and teaches us how to deal with people the way Jesus did. Jesus always dealt with people, he, with proud people, he used the law to convict them. And when they were humbled, then he would give the grace. It go, kind of goes like this, have you ever told a lie? So what does that make you? Makes you a liar. Makes me a liar. Go, just keep going on through and you'll find out you're not a very nice person. You're not a very good person. Jesus is the only good person. Jesus is the only one who has fulfilled that moral law. But not only that, Jesus fulfilled the ceremonial law. In Jesus' death, he fulfilled all the details of that ceremonial law. Now, if y'all were in, in Dennis's class he kind of went through this as he was going through the, the tabernacle. He kind of went through all those ceremonies and all that stuff. All of those uh, sin offerings and trespass offerings and meal offerings and peace offerings and burnt offerings. You see, Jesus is the Lamb of God and he fulfilled every one of those things in his death. Not only that, Jesus fulfilled all the prophecies. We have the prophets, Isaiah, Isaiah 53, Psalm 22, Psalm 69, all the prophecies of the Old Testament. By the way, that's what the law and the prophets are the Old Testament. He fulfilled every one of those. There's a book called Science Speaks, and a guy named Peter Stoner and a guy named Robert Newman discuss the statistical improbability of one man whether accidentally or deliberately, fulfilling just eight of the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. I'm going to tell you right now, you have a better chance of winning the lottery. The chance of this happening, you got, you got any really math whiz out there, is 1 in 10 to the 17th power. Yeah, that's a whole lot. Here's an illustration they give so you can kind of maybe picture this. If we take 10 to the 17th power in silver dollars and we lay them across Texas, they will cover all of the state two feet deep. Now, if you take and mark one of those silver dollars, you stir the whole bunch up thoroughly all over the state, then you blindfold a man and you tell him that he can travel as far as he wishes, but he must pick up one silver dollar and that silver dollar has to be the one that's marked. What chance would he have of getting the right one? Just the same chance that the prophets would have 
had of writing these eight prophecies and having them all come true in any one man from their day to present time, providing they wrote using their own wisdom. Now add this, the improbability of, of, of 300 or 44. The evidence is just overwhelming that Jesus is the Messiah. I have a, some of these prophecies on uh, two pages here. I have about 44 of them. You can get those a lot of times in the back of your Bible. For time's sake, I won't read all of those. I want you to understand, though, he fulfilled every one of these things. And if you're a mathematician, if you're a scientist, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Another thing we need to understand is that our righteousness falls short. Matthew 5, 19 and 20. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. There's a lot of things going on here. Let me try to break some of it down and then we'll just get down to the meat of it the pharisees had this the scribes and the pharisees would have this kind of um, conversation or thing going on where there were the greater commandments and then the least commandments in our language it'd be big sins and little sins or big big laws and little laws and they kind of justify some of breaking some of the little laws like we say, oh, it's just a little sin. It's just a, a, a little white lie. <laughs> you got it there. And Jesus is starting to say that that, that that doesn't really work. That's not really where it is. And he also is telling us that, that we have to be, be more righteous than the Pharisees. That they did all they can to keep the law. In fact, they so much wanted to keep all the rules and regulations that they wrote a whole bunch of other rules and regulations that if they followed the other rules and regulations, they'd never break the, the ones that God did. Problem was, is the ones that they wrote became more important than the ones God did, and they just got everything all messed up. You know, we, we kind of do that sometimes too. We say, well, if we really want to be right with God, and we really want to live out these Ten Commandments, then we won't do this, 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 and this. And we focus on the this, 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 and this more than we do on keeping the commandment, and we get all messed up. We lose the intention. Probably one of the, the, the issues that came to the Pharisees was pride. They were so prideful that they kept all these things, and they weren't like everybody else. And they would do all sorts of things to show off, and of course, you know, pride is the one thing that, that just God despises. But where does that leave us? If we can't be as good as they are, if we have to be better than they are, where does that leave us? Not in very good shape, does it? Here's what we need to understand. I think you probably saw that at the top of your sheet and you've seen it on the board on the uh, um, screen already. We have to appropriate the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's where it all comes down and breaks down. 
We need His righteousness. Let me explain a little bit how to get that. Okay? By the way, just a few verses so you understand. Romans 3.10 says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. How do we appropriate the righteousness of Christ? We do that by receiving Christ as our Savior. Romans 5.8 says this, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 10, 9 through 13. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Here's the thing. I know this is a simple thing. We talk about this all the time. We, we kind of go through it. You might even be hardened a little bit to this. When Jesus came and he fulfilled that law, he kept all of the moral law. He was perfect. When he died, he fulfilled all of the ceremonial law. Everything that pointed and tried to point to a Messiah coming, he fulfilled. He has fulfilled all the prophecies. There are some yet to be fulfilled, but he kept the others. He will keep these two. So what it means is that, that we come to this place where we just don't have any righteous standing before God. No matter how hard we try, no matter what good things we try to do, no matter how often we go to church, no matter, it does not matter. We just can't make it because we all break at least one of those laws. At least once. You know, Adam came, he only had one rule. You would think he could have kept one rule, but he didn't. You know, I never see the Bible condemning Eve so much, it just says she was, she was tricked, she was deceived, but Adam stood right there and knew what he was doing. <laughs> That's right. And then he, then he blamed her. Well, it's the woman you gave me. He, she messed me up. That's still happening. <laughs> well, my wife's not in here. I'd blame her for all sorts of... Oh, good night. Okay, I can't blame her for anything. <laughs> She's so wonderful. <laughs> Listen. Since that time, every person born has been born with a desire to sin. It's in our nature. Yesterday, uh, Matt and Dee came out here with their little baby. What's his name? Grayson. Yeah, he's only about this big. I don't know if he's sinned yet, but it won't be long. I think all my kids, two or three days after they were born, started sinning. 
mean little kids. My grandson's perfect, though. <laughs> we inherited that desire. It's just, we just want to do it. You think about next time somebody comes up and you just, you don't like the way they look or they say something you don't really like. What is it you want to do? It's not normally going to say, well, bless God, I forgive you. It's going to, you're going to want to do something mean to them. You're going to want to say something mean. See, the best we can do, Isaiah says, all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. It's nasty. But Jesus, our Savior, he fulfilled all of that. He paid for all of that as he died on the cross. He paid the penalty. Remember the wages of sin is death? He paid that penalty. For us, it's not just the physical death we're talking about. It is a spiritual death where we are separated from God forever. He took care of that for us. If we call on Him to be our Savior, if we receive Him as our Savior, if we believe that he died on that cross and that he rose again. And by faith we reach out and understand that he paid for all the sins, not our righteousness, his righteousness that's been put onto us, big religious word, theological word, imputed. We appropriate his righteousness. Give me a few other verses. I want you, because I really, I think if you could get a hold of this, if you're here and you don't know Christ, if you get a hold of this, it will transform your life. If you're hearing you know Christ, you will understand and you will, the, the gratitude and the love will start coming out of you like never before. Romans 3.24 says this. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has sent forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of him who believeth in Jesus. Let me boil that down into this. When you receive Christ as your Savior, as God the Father looks at you, He sees Jesus. He doesn't see your, your sins are forgiven. They'll never be brought up again. The Bible says they're far from the east is from the west. They're buried in the deepest part of the oceans. They're never going to be brought up again. When God sees you, he sees Jesus. Jesus' righteousness has been given to you. Jesus' righteousness has been given to me. Wow. I think the only way to... Wow. Romans 5, 17. For by one man's offense, death reigned upon, by one. Much more, they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, 
Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many may be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. How wonderful it is to know. We all became sinners because of Adam, but we can become righteous because of Jesus. What an incredible incredible gift and that's the gift that should motivate us to live to glorify that Lord we are justified just as if I've never sinned clean and innocent what a tremendous tremendous gift that is we appropriate Jesus' righteousness when we receive him. But not only that, we appropriate Jesus' righteousness when we yield to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, John chapter 16, Jesus is introducing the concept of the Holy Spirit to, to his disciples. Holy Spirit's not there yet. Holy Spirit in the Old Testament came upon people. First time we hear about the Holy Spirit indwelling someone is John the Baptist, who the Holy Spirit has been upon since he was in the womb. And then we, we find out as Jesus teaches that the Holy Spirit is going to be coming. He, his name is the Comforter, and he's going to teach us all things. He's going to bring all things to our remembrance. And John 16, verse 13 says this, Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. And he shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I, he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you. There's a promise of this comforter. In Acts chapter 1, we get another promise of that comforter, that he will give us power. He will give us power to go and to, to share this gospel, to share this good news that, that Jesus came and fulfilled the law and rose again and, and that we receive him, our sins are forgiven. He will give us power to go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth with that message. And not just speak it, but live it. Acts chapter 3, we see, oh, the Holy Ghost arrives, and man, do things start happening. See, when you receive Jesus Christ, your Savior, the Holy Spirit indwells you. And in, in, in Romans chapter 6, the Apostle Paul starts teaching a little bit about, about how the Holy Spirit can help us. Romans 6.12 says this, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies, 
that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. It's telling us to yield our body, yield our members to righteousness. He's telling us, he goes on. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey. Whether a sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which has delivered you. Being made free from sin, ye became servants of righteousness. Romans chapter 8 kind of fills it up here for us. See, Paul goes on in Romans 7. He says, I keep doing those things I don't like to do, and I, I do the, don't do those things I want to do. And to paraphrase it, he kind of gets himself all messed up, and then he comes and he says this, but there is now therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. How do we appropriate the righteousness of Christ? We receive Christ as our Savior, and then we live it out by yielding to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Most of the time we live to the prompting of our flesh. We kind of talked about some of that last week, what the flesh was and the fruit of the Spirit. It, you know, we're, we're looking to be empowered to live out those beatitudes that we have talked about in the past. That character of the kingdom. To do that, we have got to not do what comes natural to the flesh, but to do that which the Holy Spirit prompts us. the Holy Spirit will guide you that point sometimes you might think it's your conscience and it may be the Holy Spirit trying to point you in a direction to go we have to get ourselves in tune to the Holy Spirit and as he prompts us we need to follow and yield to that it's letting, it's letting God take over. It's letting God control your life instead of you being in charge of it. Just by word of a testimony, let me tell you, when you allow the Holy Spirit to prompt you, and when you respond to that prompting and follow what He is trying to get you to do, your life will be fruitful. It will be impactful. It will have great meaning. And there will be great reward. It also may not be super comfortable. It may be a little dangerous. It may not be what you want. 
but someone who knows you better than you, our Lord Jesus, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, will put you where you where He knows what's best. How can I not follow His prompting after what all He's done for me? What we need to do and what we need to understand is this is a whole lot more than religion. Religion is keeping rituals. Religion is keeping rules. Religion is, is observing rites. This is a relationship with the living God who loves us more than anything. Who provides everything we need. He makes us righteous through His Son. Praise the Lord. How can we, how can we not just follow Him? If you're here this morning, you never trusted Christ as your Savior, i got to tell you, it's really nice having your sins forgiven. Oh, by the way, Satan, he's going to try to bring this stuff back up. Oh, you really, you really were so bad. You can never, let me tell you something. You can't be too bad to be forgiven. Okay? Promise. I'm one, I was one of the worst people ever. He forgave me. Oh, you say, well, you don't know what I did. It doesn't matter what you've done. He will forgive you when you come to him. And he will empower you to live a holy life. As you learn to follow Him, as you get to know Him, my wife will tell you that when we first got married, oh, I probably wasn't the easiest guy to live with. Probably not. Probably still not too easy to live with. I used to think I knew how to to please her. Every week I'd be out on bus visitation. And there's this little flower shop, and I'd buy her a rose and bring it to her, and I'd keep bringing her roses, and, and I didn't get the desired reaction until I bought a candy bar. <laughs> I even know what type of candy bars now. I know when to bring them. I know just the right things. To do. You know what? It's because I have a relationship with her that's growing. That's what it means to have a relationship with God. Just as you have a relationship with your wife or your, your family as you know them and you grow and you learn how to please them and how to, to be with them. That's the relationship we're to have with God. He'll empower us to do that. If you're here and you've never trusted Christ, do that today. And if you're here and you've kind of fallen into the habit of just doing the religious thing, because it's real simple to do, I want to challenge you, repent from that and revel in the relationship of God. Enjoy and rejoice in the righteousness of Christ that has been put upon you and yield to the prompting of the Holy Spirit as He will guide you into all things. Let's pray together.